Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, children of shadow? This is Stephen, your host with Phantology Podcast, along with my lifelong friends, Ryan and Jake. We are covering Midnight Tides by Stephen Erickson, but just the first half. So parts one and two are books one and two of book five of the Malzahn book of the Fallen. And we decided in previous reviews, we've done the full book, but I decided that if I'm going to spend the time to read these massive books, uh, that are like not only a lot of words, but the words are, you know, take a bit to get through. Uh, I decided we're going to make the most of this and make at least two episodes for these books to, uh, you know, kind of maximize, I guess, make make the most of all the time that we're spending reading them. I think that's fair. But uh, so I haven't read past the first half. Jake's read like maybe a couple of chapters past the first half and Ryan um, has read the whole series, but uh, we're going to keep spoilers to Nothing past book two of Midnight Tides. So really quick, I uh, I have finished I, the series. It's been a bit for me at this point. Um, I just checked my Goodreads because I, I marked the date that I finished the book. And I finished this book in October of 2019. So it's been more than three years for me. So you're really, you're really fresh book. on this? Yeah, really, really fresh. And I think that, you know, like you mentioned, these books are dense. And a lot of those finer details, I think, have faded from my memory. So hope this this is gonna be this is gonna be a good discussion and I think a good refresher for me. That's just Ryan trying to give himself an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's absolutely what it I was. Mean, three, three years is kind of a fair yeah, excuse. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, I have no excuse because I just read the first half, but I'm probably, I know yeah. I missed a lot of details because I was reading through some summaries and I didn't realize what was actually going on in several parts. So that's just the nature of these books, to be honest. And I guess that's part of the charm of them is like figuring out all of the you know details of, of what is actually going on in these convoluted plots. Honestly, um, for me, that's not what I enjoy the most about the Malazan books. I think I like, especially in this one, I like the characters the most. I like the journeys and just kind of like the plot that they're going through. And as far as like the lore and what's going on with the holds and the different legendary figures like Father Dark and Shadow and Light and all these things and all of the, um, you know, ancestors of of different gods, et cetera. Like, I don't even know the right terms. Um, you know, none of those things really interest me quite as much because I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of lazy and don't want to do the work to piece together exactly what's going on. Well, I think, I think it requires a lot of effort and there are people who, you know, love Malazan to the point where they are willing to put all of these pieces together and that they drive a lot of satisfaction from that. I think all of us are maybe a little bit more on the casual side where, we we don't we enjoy the books and enjoy you know kind of like a surface level reading of it um but we're not we're not delving below the surface very much so if you're one of those hardcore fans i mean continue listening at your peril of being offended by our our level of being noobs of just not understanding some things that are going on and or i don't know maybe just like enjoy our naive perspective on the books. <laughs> yeah, I would love to I would love to know all the lore perfectly in, in Miles and I think it's fascinating and super cool, but I don't have the talent yet. <laughs> but maybe one day we can get to that point. I think it takes like a read or two, probably maybe two or three. Yeah. To really like go through. Because it seems like a lot of these details aren't necessarily like fully uncovered 
until you get to events of later books. Yeah. yeah. Like having read this one would have helped me understand Troll way more in book four because he was just kind of like a blah character to me in book four. Like didn't yeah. really, not that interesting, never really got what was going on with him exactly. But in book five in Midnight Tides, I really enjoy his parts. So I think if I had that, you know, if I go back and reread the series ever reading book four, I'll, you know, I'll pick up on him right away. Yeah. Was he with, uh, he was with the Talan Imas, Imas guy, right? In book four. Yeah. Um, is that guy's name Onrak, maybe? Onrak, the broken. And, yeah. uh, and yeah, I was just like, okay, I know what Talan Imas are. I don't know what Tissi Edor are at all. And like, he just honestly, when it's funny, cause like when I first read book four, I imagined him as this just like really old guy and like kind of eccentric. And then reading him and this, I'm like, oh no, no, I did not get this guy right at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's like, they're like two different characters. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the writing, but just my interpretation of his almost like cameo in book four compared to. Well, I mean, time definitely passes in between. Right. The two and- yeah. It's hard to know how and much we time. see him we see him at in book four being he's he's shorn from the edor right yeah. and and we get the we don't get too many details and i think we're going to uncover those details in the course of this book or possibly the next because i heard the fifth and sixth kind of tied together but and is that true ryan actually maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong there uh sorry say it one more time books five and six tie together right they're they're kind of like same characters. Yes, they do. Okay. So I'm speculating that by the time we get through book six, we'll maybe have caught up with where he was at the beginning of book four. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have liked book four more if I had read book five and six before it. <laughs> I don't know. He plays such a small part in book four, though. And I mean, it is a, it's not just like a cameo. It's more than that, but it is small enough. And at the, I don't know, at the time when reading, I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. This troll guy again, you know, but Uh maybe to to your point, if I did know who he was, I'd be excited for his parts to pop up again. You know, Uh, sorry, I just had to, I have to correct myself. I looked it up and it's actually books five and seven go together. So it's Midnight Tides and Reaper's Gale. Continuing the trend. Book six, Bone Hunters, uh, uh, returns to um, some other characters like Apsilar and Cutter and Borg Ghost Hands. Oh, okay. So. Excited to see those guys again. Mm-hmm. It's like continuing it, the Malazan trend of leapfrogging yeah. storylines. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're into book five and now we've started entirely new storylines. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I do like how the end of book four troll singar is like let me tell you the story like my story finally uh-huh, yeah. and then you get book five which is that and you kind of get that as well with uh at the end of memories of ice you see uh is it pronounced diker or yeah 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 <clears throat> and that's i know those are like like the history of it was memories of ice was supposed to be written before uh what's what's the name of that i always want to say dead yeah. house gates but it's not or is dead house gates the second one Dead House is second. Oh, it is. Okay. So it's supposed to be written before, but I do like how you think Diker died. And then at the end of Memories of Ice, he's also like, let me tell you my story. I don't know. I like that uh that trend. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think I like book five better, like a lot better than book four. Book four was a bit of an endurance test for me at times, but I was really enjoying book five. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh T Hall, T Hall, however you say his name really I, I, great character and like the humor is top-notch there i, I really pronounce like it tehol same tehol okay tehol okay. or tehol yeah tail okay yeah him and bug are that, that's a good there are some very like laugh out loud moments there so you know erickson yeah. can be very like he's he has a lot of different um he can like write tones. in a lot of different ways yeah yeah because it gets so dark and brooding and like pensive and just like philosophical and then you have like the whole plot line with what's his name udala i can't ever remember how his name ublala pung ublala pung and how like those three ladies are just way into him and he's like quit using me for my body i want to be is it 
<laughs> is it ooh blah blah or ooh la la? Ooh la la. <laughs> ooh la la. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tehol's great. There's, there's I, my dad joke. <laughs> I do think book four had a really strong start to it with Karsa and just like the continue like that con- continual story of Karsa Orlong and but then it does get pretty complicated and confusing. I think it gets a little bogged down because of how confusing it is. Where this book, similar to the continual storyline of Karsa, I feel like you have a even though it is a newer new story, you have a continual like rising tension where every mm-hmm every POV like plays into every conflict more understandably from the beginning. Right. Right. Like right from the beginning, it points you at this conflict between the Lathiri and the Edor and that's coming up and all Mm -hmm. the characters are kind of moving in that direction. They're all kind of, you know, involved in different plots along the way. And then there's these undertones of the lore stuff, which is set up in the prologue. And you get some hints there. I, I know I didn't catch everything, but you, you, I'm getting a sense that the lore and the, and the kind of like secret history there of the Edor ancestor killing the Andy ancestor, like I feel like that's going to become really important somehow. And so I'm, I'm, I'm expecting all of these things to come together really nicely in this one yeah. book where previous Miles on books have been a little more scattered and and for that reason i'm really enjoying midnight tides i feel like this is similar to uh memories of ice where you really understand how each pov mm-hmm. like will come to, like play into each other i also really like how you get like there's two main societies right the tisti edor so far and then the lethery so far we're all going to be pronouncing these differently because of reading and listening yeah. so but also you have members of those societies some of them like there are people from the Lethary nation who are very pro-Lethary interests and very anti-Lethary interests. And there are people from the Tissi Edor nation who are very pro-Edor interests and very anti-Edor interests. And you can tell there's this tension of like a pretty much a coming war. Like that's how part two ends is like, okay, war is happening. And that's been like that tension's mm-hmm. been building the will they, won't they? And on either side, there's factions that really want the war to happen that really don't want, like, I think, uh, whole Bedick's character is so interesting how he feels like he's seen the corruption from his own people the lethery and so he's like I feel bad for like the colonialism I've done I need to join with the Edor to help them like fight back against the lethery but then you have the the king of the Edor at the time uh the warlock king I can never remember how to say his name Hanan Mosag something like that something like that it's like Hanan Hanan Masag, maybe. yeah 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 but uh you have like he's like the king of the edor and he does not want to fight you know he's like that's not we're not going to play into their games because it seems like there's been this like series of the lethry making like contracts with local tribes and then breaking the contracts that goad them into mm-hmm. war and then dominating them and so he, like he's hanan mosag's like smart enough to see through that it seems like Anyways, it's just really interesting and very real and multidimensional to have all these different people with different interests coming from the different sides. It's not just all all the Edor versus all the Lethary. Like you have the infighting on the, the Lethary side as well. And and then Udanas, he's a really interesting character. Yeah, nicely summed really up. I like it. I, <clears throat> there's some characters that I definitely don't understand as much. Udanas is one. I don't think I picked up on exactly what was going on with all of his visions and yeah, he's had like one of the yeah. more mystical plot lines. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I recently refreshed my view on Udanas, and he was basically in indentured servitude yeah. in, in Lether before becoming a slave in in the in the Tista Eder mm-hmm. uh, nation. And he almost sees being a slave preferable to being an indentured servant in Lether. Um, and he sees visions because he was, I think, tainted by wyvern blood. And so he's he's seeing he's seeing stuff because of the potency. He's tainted by the wyvern. And then this like, there's Tisti a shadow Andy, race. Yeah, the Tisti Andy spirit comes and becomes with, is his it withal? shadow withal? almost. Wither? Yeah. yeah. Wither. They're so confusing. There's Withal, the, the blacksmith, right? 
and then oh yeah a with yeah. all which is the the drag like the invisible dragon spawn thing <laughs> and then wither it's it's confusing <laughs> yeah so we get what uh udinas udinas sees a vision of the actual past that happens with uh gosh i don't remember the name Silchas ruin and yeah, Silchas ruin, Scabendari, yeah, yeah, those ones, nice. I think their names names. are so cool. They're so cool. Yeah, I'm like, why can't I think of names this cool? I know. (laughs) And then he can buy balls on. Was was male in that vision too? I think that was in the prologue. In the prologue, typical Malazan fashion to have events that are like hundreds of thousands of years in the past yeah keeping that all <laughs> keeping that all straight in your mind is yeah yeah it's tough another thing i did not understand i didn't understand what it, what was going on with bris bedict where when he went like down to the bottom of the ocean and tried <sighs> to meet up with mail so cool. and that was there so was cool. like this guardian thing that he had to end up, end up fighting i don't think i understood any of that so guardian, guardian of the names yeah guardian of the names he was he was like i can't remember if this is actually how it was described or just how my brain like envisioned it like all these like time capsuled gods that didn't have worshipers anymore and like no one remembered their names other than the guardian mm-hmm. of the names and so they're just like these formless entities down there and and then he, i just thought it was so cool he's like okay i'll remember their names like tell me their names also that's what uh that's what the warlock king's original like power came from right is he like somehow got one of those nameless entities to serve him kind of like enslaved one i think was that what it was and that was what ended up like attacking the uh, trait that's that like port city uh i don't know at that but this might be something this might be a theory i had and then when i reread it i was like oh yeah this is for sure what it is because it says Henan Mosai has like this like unseen entity thing that like yeah. it uses magic outside of the shadow magic they're used to. And then <clears throat> the, the guardian of the name says someone else had gone down there and stolen one of the gods or one of the nameless gods. Maybe that's a maybe that's a supposition on my part. Yeah. So um I just refreshed my memory on this. So yeah, they, yeah the, tell us. the Lether Lether was worried that they had somehow that the warlock king had somehow manipulated mail into Mayo, yeah. serving serving him or doing his bidding and uh then he sent they sent uh breeze or breeze bedict down to figure out what went what happened and i think i think he was the the mage guy the Sita yeah. is the one who maybe is made that possible and then he went down, fought the guardian of the names. And then the guardian of the names was like, did you steal this? Uh, did you steal this demon God from us? Something like that. And he was like, no, I, I don't have, I, I didn't basically. And so I guess somehow the warlock King had stole him, stolen this, this demon. Yeah. Mm. and then he because he goes down there asking for mail and and the guardian says that mail hasn't been there for thousands of years right so and then i think when he comes back out he tells i think it was the sita and he's like well we thought he would they were working with mail and that's where their power is coming from but it must have been one of the like the stolen nameless entity Mm -hmm. i just thought that was part was cool he like defeats the um the guardian and then he's like dying and he's like here have some of my blood he's like don't make me take too much it'll kill you and i just feel like there's like so much potential for that and like knowing malazan things someone's getting like incredible powers from that interaction and exchange somehow so if if hanan mosag what i probably butchered that he's got he, he has to have some connection to the crippled god too right because he knows about the sword and well, he's seen that in like... visions, right? Okay. I just so I assume did the, the crippled, crippled god set up him. the sword, or did yeah. he take advantage of the sword? Like, in, is the sword something that is a result of the blacksmith that the crippled god recruited yeah. with her, with all whatever his name is? So the the way I understand it, from my reading, and Ryan, you can correct as the 
the more expert um is the crippled god like basically captured with all to create that sword and that was in the prologue mm-hmm. as well and then you see the scene when rulat after rulat dies you see his like right i guess his spirit like arrives at that place as well that island where the crippled god is at and there the crippled god shows him the sword and says that hanan mosag like he'd been showing visions of hanan mosag where to get that sword and to take it but that he is betrayed by the warlock king because instead of like the crippled god really wants him to use it to like i don't know if just go to war against the lethry or just to like go to war in general but the warlock king doesn't want to do that he just wants to take that mm-hmm. power to de- like to make sure they can't be annihilated themselves and then that's why he's like he chose rulat instead to take the sword yeah i, th- ah. I think that hanan mosag was he was a little bit intelligent a little bit more intelligent than rulat so he was he was yeah. wise enough to recognize the crippled god's manipulations and you know have his own plans or as the crippled god recognized rulad was much more able to be manipulated to his will yeah yeah was that when he so my my question is was this before or after he touched the sword rulad like he grabbed the sword and then died fighting those snow uh wildlings soul taken guys the, yeah the jacks or the jacks yeah yeah like was this did this happen before and that's why he grabbed the sword and then died or was he able to have this interaction because he had grabbed the sword and died with it i think it's because he grabbed the sword and died because i wondered like wondered how much of rulad was in the crippled god's plans or if it was like here's a better opportunity yeah i don't think he was i don't think he was in his plans like he he just seems like a guy who sets up a lot of different possibilities and then he takes advantage of whatever happens for him yeah yeah Kind of like Sauron in Rings of Power. No, nothing like Sauron in Rings of Power. <laughs> Sauron doesn't do anything in Rings of Power. Yeah, uh, sidebar. What? So one interesting thing about all that is, so I looked on uh, Reddit, the source of all truth, and they said <laughs> that uh, this book happens kind of simultaneously with Gardens of the Moon. So all of the crippled God stuff that has happened for us in books two, three, Actually, I don't even remember if the Crippled God is a thing in book two. But, you know, the stuff that we've kind of been piecing together, that stuff's yeah. all, like, after this book. Yeah, I've heard that the timeline is pretty messy and that there are things that happen at the same time and before and after, like, when you think it happens. Because I thought they, they mentioned, like, Coral or something in this book, I thought. Or maybe that was book four. I don't remember it in this book, but... Yeah, he. I don't know if the Cripple God was in Dead House Gates, other than the fact that, like, the whirlwind was later tied to the Crippled God, like part of his plans. I don't know if it was from the beginning, mm-hmm. but and this continent is also like way off on the far my map. It's like way off to the southeast. Actually, I can't see the map from here. Anyway, you, it's like way. It's way off to the, you know, to the corner yeah. of the world, which is. Yeah, I like maps. So it's kind of it's it's interesting to think that like every book we're getting like more and more expansive in this yeah. world. I like when authors do that with their epic fantasies. It's it's fascinating how well Steven Erickson introduces like new societies and cultures and peoples where they don't like they're different enough from each other. They don't feel like just a rehash of mm-hmm. like other ones you've had time with. Yeah. I feel like this book, especially like the whole Lethary culture is so interesting and how they have, I guess they don't have a ton, but there's like multiple undead characters, like people in the city love to do undead curses on people. Yeah. And uh, and, and the how, drowning punishment for the prisoners, that was really yeah. unique and interesting. I think that's why um, this book made me think of uh, the lives of Locke Lamora, because I was I can imagining. See that. Yeah, there's kind like of similar settings of like intrigue and. I could see like a Venetian yeah. type. Yeah. And then and then Tayhole being like like a clever thief kind of thing. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. he's Father Chains. That's how I imagine him when I read But yeah. Jake, yeah. I feel like there was another review we did recently where you said somebody reminded you of Father Chains. Was there? I I've been thinking this guy specifically reminds me of Father Chains. And then uh Shirk, what's her last name? Shirk. Elal. 
Shirk Alal, she reminds me of like a <laughs> a much more mature Monsicato. And it could just be because of <laughs> a like, how should I say it? Like a weathered thief. <laughs> I don't I don't know, like if that'd be spoilers to go into that, but and it might also be because the uh what what is that area in the first law in the, called? In the circle of the world. Yeah, it's like um, it's similar to like Italy as well. Like the Styria. Yeah, Styria. Styria. Yeah. Styria. Yeah. So maybe that's why all of them are coming back to that. But yeah, there, there's a subtle Renaissance Italian vibe throughout. But yeah, the drowning punishment. It's like, all right, this is the fine. I think if I understand right, like you have a fine for every crime. And if you can't pay the fine, then you have to walk the weight of that fine underwater. Uh-huh. And if you survive, then you're fine. No, uh-huh. no pun intended that last fine <laughs> and if you have four lungs like uh ooblala yeah then no problem no problem i love the the like ultra capitalist uh themes of the lethary nation i just i think that's a very it's very interesting mm-hmm. to see that in like a fantasy medieval setting you don't usually see it in that context i feel like you'd see that more like cyberpunk or yeah something like that with the way that they handle the debts and well, just that like money is like money is like very highly revered and like in their society, you know, pretty much well, everything revolves around that. Yeah. And I was thinking of what Steven said with how they learned about the other people and basically like used capitalism to indebt them and yeah. basically take over. Yeah. Yeah. Any everything in leather was really interesting. I There were some parts that kind of bogged down for me, like everything with Saren uh paddock and baruch the pale like that just seems like a bunch of setup i'm assuming it will pay off but thus far like i haven't really got anything out of their travels over to the edor other than the kind of interest of whole bedict and whatever he's gonna do seems like he could single-handedly like unhinge everything and create a bunch of chaos so that'll be interesting I, and I like that uh, Tahol is kind of supporting him from the shadows a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the the three brothers are interesting. I like I like how they're so different, but they all are kind of they're like they haven't bought into the propaganda of where they live in various degrees. Mm-hmm. Like Hole is like openly like treasonous. Tahol is, I guess, more subtly treasonous, <laughs> and then Bryce uh-huh. is like a champion of the king but also is like trying to do what good he can from that position i i get the i don't know he seems a little clueless to me bryce i mean yeah of the three he's the one who doesn't know what's going on i feel like that's whole i think i think bryce is more more intelligent and like uh he's the more cautious one who's like slowly investigating i feel like whole bedic is the one who's like I'm mad. Let's go to war. Like I feel like what he's going to do. Well, at least Hole and Hole and Tahol have plans of some sort, and Bryce is just kind of like along for the ride. Like he's really reactionary to whatever like else is going on. More. But yeah, he is. I mean, he's he is more constrained by his position, I think. But like he he's able to like warn Tahol about uh, Garen Eberricht. Is that his name? Oh yeah, the other Eberricht. champion, Eberricht. Something. Yeah. The guy, who like, set up, the guy who set up the assassination on yeah. the king to get his spot. Of, yeah. yeah. I'm really interested to see where that goes. Like, he's kind of, like, set up to be, like, a, a villain, right? Because of, like, setting up to get that power. But I wonder, oh, yeah. I wonder if he's more of an anti-hero where, because they say he's, like, killing people across the city, right? Like, he just does what he wants. He can mm-hmm. basically kill anybody, and he does so. But he like when talking to Bryce, it seemed like he was aware of how corrupt their society is as well. And I wonder if he's like intentionally killing people who are like part of the problem, like in a Punisher sort of way. I don't know. I'm interested to see where that goes to see if he's like they find out they're really on the same side when he's because he says like to Bryce, like, oh, you're not on my list. Like, I wonder if the people on his list are people who he thinks are like oppressing the rest of society i don't know hey i just got the vibe that he was uh uh, he was against every other character and just kind of this selfish bloodthirsty guy he might be i just i think that would be a big twist 
I think it'd be interesting to see like, oh, we're on the same side. You are just a ruthless person going about this, you know, mm. but I could be wrong. I don't know. Say I kind of see him as uh, I was wondering if him and Hull would kind of be like foils to each other where Hull Bedick is like, wants to do violence for in the name of good. But uh-huh. like the violence Hull wants is in line with what the crippled God wants. So that's probably not the best like alignment to be with. Whereas Garen Pettick or Garen Ebrecht is violent, but maybe his goals are for peace, you know, violence to peace. I don't know. Instead of for war, but I think they do set up as good foils to each other, but I don't know exactly how that's going to play out. It could be like you yeah. say. Yeah. All right, I don't know how we've gone this long without talking about like the freakiest part of this whole book. The when, best, the best scene so far. Rulad comes back to life, man. That, that was the most captivating chapter of the book for me, even yeah. better than all the funny Tehol scenes. Uh, when he came back to life after being buried by the death ritual of the coins fused to his body, like starts just screaming and Udinas is yeah. freaking out and the whole village doesn't know what's going That was, that was I thought... quite something that I could visualize that so, uh, so distinctly. Yeah. I thought Udinas was dead then. I was like, He's waking up screaming in pain and is going to kill the first person he sees. And Udinas yeah, is right uh-huh. there. He's got a sword <laughs> stuck to his hand. Yeah. yeah. Luckily he survived. But yeah, that was, I remember when you said you were reading and I was like, this book has like one of the like most horror type scenes. I think I've read in a really long time. Definitely in, in Malazan, the, the most horror scene there. That was really cool though. It was scary. I was scared, but also like, not scared in a way that I was going to get nightmares, but scared in, in like a what the heck type way. It was really interesting how um, they used Rulot. Like, I, he kind of seems, at least from what I recall, he kind of seemed like immature and like annoying yeah. and like mm-hmm. how he changed so dramatically with, with this one scene. He just became like, you know, almost a monster. Yeah. Yeah. He was very pe- like petulant, like, typical unbloodied right and then yeah it's it's like i feel like this is does a really good job of showing what the crippled god does you've seen a little bit of it like memories of ice where that that one servant of his like meets with him and then he like takes away his legs after that and like he cures he cures his cancer i think that was it and then yeah. takes away the use of his legs mm-hmm. And and I think this like that what happens with Rulot is another really good like showcase of what he does where he's like okay now you have all this power but in order to have this power you have to be like broken and suffering, um, and just just the visual of like coins seared into his skin and like fused to him, and like his face half covered in like like that wax and everything, uh-huh. it's so it's so cool. every so every time Rulad comes on screen now i just have this anxiety like he needs to get those coins up those coins <laughs> are really are really messing him up he's got to figure out some way to get those coins off but he doesn't seem to care thus far and maybe yeah. that just kind of reveals a lot about my personality but uh, I, w- I would really like him to clean that up they they did remove the ones from his eyelids right did they re- did it rip off his yeah, eyelids with it uh, or did they just get them off I don't think it ripped off the eyelids, but they're like, I don't know how you could take them off without doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, Udinas is pretty uh, experienced. He's good. Yeah. He, there was a whole part about, there's a whole part about how he couldn't make those ones quite as hot as the other ones. Cause you didn't want the eyes to pop. Right. That was, yeah. He's, he's, he has seen the eyes pop before. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, I, okay. Another like kind of theory question. So at the end of, house of chains or towards the end of house of chains like you find out carsa orlong has been groomed this whole time to be like the warrior of the house of chains right or i don't know what what the actual title is but like maybe the knight the knight i don't know if it'd be the knight or the sword or yeah uh, the yeah. knight of, of the house of chains and he like denies it he's like i'll free the crippled god just to kill him like <laughs> he's classic carsa but is this is this with Rulot? Is this like his replacement? Then do you guys think, or well, just Carsa this happening? I think this is all happening. Oh, before. this is before. Yeah, this is before. Was this? Yeah. Another, do you think this is another 
an earlier attempt then? I can't remember. It seems more like Rulad would be the king. Or wait, no, he already he already has a king, doesn't he? I think so. Uh man, how do I don't remember? I think they yeah, I think he has a king. But I don't remember if that's something I accidentally spoiled for myself or if it was uh read in the past book, we, so. we need we need an updated <laughs> reading of the deck of dragons yeah <laughs> every, well, the, every podcast needs to feature an update from us of the deck of dragons yeah yeah i mean the holds the tiles don't work anymore right uh yeah so that was another thing i didn't understand like i know the holds are kind of like the the primitive the more like Warrens. Yeah, yeah the more like pr- primeval <clears throat> aspects of the magic compared to the actual houses are a little more solidified so we haven't really messed with the house i i felt much more comfortable with the houses from the previous books we've seen those a lot the holds are pretty nebulous to me so i i didn't understand what was going on there nearly as much this is why i thought it took place closer to memories of ice because one of the readings they talk about the beast hold and how the wolves yeah that's right the beast they have yeah yeah they that there's two um, yeah. like rulers there. Yeah. But maybe it was like more of a prophecy and it's like, this is going mm-hmm. to happen, but it has, it isn't like happening at that exact moment. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. But yeah. Do, so I don't know. And I guess, okay. Maybe, maybe did Perrin need to accept the cripple God? Did he need to accept the house of chains for it that to actually have like members of the house? If so, then this would be before that, right? Yeah, so I think, wouldn't I think be he part did, of right? Because he he agrees to <clears throat> accept it so that they're also bound by the same. Yeah, he lets it into the official uh, deck. It's a new, it's a new, it's a new expansion pack after yeah. he allows it in. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the, the new deck of dragons. In my mind, the deck of dragons, you just have a deck of dragons and it like when a new deck or a new, uh, expansion is added it just appears in the deck i don't it know just if you pushes to... yeah just yeah. pushes the update automatic update yeah yeah mm-hmm. automatic Directly... i mean how else would the readings be accurate right or you're like hey i i have this from like three thousand years after burn sleep i need to get the 3001 year update uh-huh. <laughs> version could you get me that <laughs> yeah because they do say if you accept him to the deck he has to play by the same rules and i don't know if, right i don't know if that is the same like is that what we should be inferring by like having members of the house? Is that them playing by the same rules? Yeah, I think that, you know, like that Jafar moment. Yeah. Is, yeah. Unlimited power. <laughs> Itty bitty living space. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all copied from, well, I think yeah. Aladdin actually came before Erickson, but yeah. But they had already developed their world before Aladdin. Before Disney's Aladdin. I have no idea what their yeah. original story is like at all. They probably are separate. I, th- I think we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Um, what else do we need to talk about from this book? Um, I'm loving the, the, uh, actually, I can't, I can't remember if this has happened. Has What character are you thinking of? <laughs> uh, just have the, I'm okay. I'm loving how like the plan Hen and Mossag has had of like, like, first of all, it's funny how the whole book, like the whole like uh, like drama of the main story is like, hey, they hunted these seals where they weren't allowed to hunt seals. Like, uh-huh. I think that's a very funny, like mundane start to this like epic war that's about to take place. But I think that's pretty true to like world history. You know, trade is so important. And like, yeah, especially back in those times, like those types of uh resources is really important um but i love mm-hmm. i love just how tempered and wise hen and mosag has been with we're not going to play into their traps we're not going to like fight back right away and like yeah no, that this. has happened okay in the, in the in the negotiations they uh i think the prince or the yeah unit, okay one okay. of them this has happened is yeah. like hey you hunted our seals you owe us this money because even though it was illegal you still you know you, you took, took the seals. bodies yeah yeah, yeah. But, and then he's like well no we didn't we don't have the bodies so uh actually so you, you us, us. For, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was this is like a weird thing to be really excited for in an epic fantasy series where you have mortals becoming gods and gods like 
warring against each other but just that that political economic maneuvering i was like oh yeah that was so so like even killed and like <laughs> tempered and wise of a plan i don't know that to me that was like really good payoff there yeah i didn't really like mossad much until he he was dethroned and same yeah he seemed yeah. more like a villain to me before then i was like he's this warlock mm -hmm. king that sounds evil he like had this war of unification which i think you could like like how how much better is he than the lethry trying to take over when he like mm -hmm. subjugated the other tribes to be unified you know but i exactly what you said as soon as he was like dethroned it was like oh no he was a pretty good guy especially compared to rulat <laughs> and maybe that's why man rulat is setting up to be a really good villain i I don't yeah. know. I don't know what's going to happen there, but he's, I really dislike him in a, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot that you guys that's still coming in this book and I need to, I need to keep like reminding myself, Oh, I don't think they've read that yet. <laughs> so I'm excited to do the part two. I feel like the part one, it's got some good stuff in it, but there's just so much action in the second part. So, so Ryan, from the 10 books of the core book of the fallen, where does Midnight Tides slot in for you? Like how much did you enjoy it overall? Probably the middle. I, I don't think that it, I think the top for me was uh, Memories of Ice and Toll the Hounds. Memories okay. of Ice is still my favorite so far. Yeah, so those were, those were both, for the top for me yeah it's probably probably towards the middle i don't remember like a lot of the lower ranking or like a lot of the i just kind of remember the ones that i liked the most honestly i think this is kind of on level this is kind of on par with memories vice for me thus far because the first half of memories vice was pretty similar to like it was just a massive build-up for pages and pages like you you weren't like a big fan of memories of ice right well, I mean, the first half was fairly boring. Nothing really happened for hundreds Are of pages. Are you kidding? You had, no. you had undead Velociraptor warriors popping up, attacking people. I mean, every now and then, but it was mostly yeah. just kind of them like moving towards, where were they going? Pale? No, Pale, pale. was, what was yeah, it Pale? pale. Yeah, Pale no, and coral. Then coral. Was it Coral first and then Pale? Coral pale was, was the last city that they fought at, I think. Pale was back from Gardens of the Moon. Coral is where oh, it? my boys, the bridge burners, were pretty much killed off. Annihilated. Yeah. So the ending of that, like huge payoff, very exciting, like hundreds of pages of just excitement. But I mean, the middle, the the first half was, I thought it was fairly mundane. I, I loved, I loved like learning about just being in whiskey jack shoes more and yeah. with what, oh man, I can't remember what's the, huge warrior's name who's allies with Anamander Rake. Uh Kaladin Rude. Yeah. Yes. He's so cool. Yeah. Is what he a though? name like, I, too. I was expecting him to do a lot more. He did not do that much. Well, he has a hammer that can waken. So why didn't burn. he do more? Because there's a drawback if he does that, right? Well if he wakens burn, I think like everybody on the all the mortals on the planet will die oh, right <laughs> but if he doesn't waken her soon enough then she will die which means the whole earth will die something, right the something like that do we call the planet do we call the land burn in uh malazan like i know there's like the continents but it's the world itself or is it malazan land like uh rand land yeah, i think it's malazan land malazan land i don't know yeah I really liked Memories of Ice, but I mean, you have a whole story there so far. I've I've really liked uh, Midnight Tide so far. Not as quiet as much as Memories of Ice, but there's a lot of cool stuff that could still happen. The Guardian of the Name thing I thought was really cool. I'm excited to see how that plays out. Um, we haven't mentioned this character yet, but Kettle's whole storyline, talking to the like the locked away oh, yeah. spirits there's in the Azath house or something. That, the Azath, yeah. Yeah, that... I'm really excited to see where that goes. Um, also, the dirtbag who cursed Kettle to be undead. What the heck was that about? I have have they revealed who that is? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't no. think so. 
No, Tehol is is starting to kind of investigate as part of his deal with Shirk. Yeah. Honestly, I could read a whole book just about Tehol and Bug. Maybe actually, are there? There might be some. Bugs, has he written Bugs any? Fun. Has he written any? Just like th- their adventures? I don't think so. I could be wrong. I love when he brings in the tea, and it's just wool tea. <laughs> it's so dumb. So funny though. <laughs> Erickson always has this like bizarro characters and weird humor and stuff, and I guess yeah. these like ones Kreppa. qualify. But yeah, Krupa and. Uh, Iskaral Pust and the whole like yeah, the shadow weapon. house thing going on. Yeah. But these ones are the most grounded of his bizarro weird humor things. Yeah. And I just really enjoy it. I think it's it's really funny. Yeah. What what voice do you do for Bug in your head when you're reading him? Um, kind of like a old he he's an older guy for sure that's kind of losing his marbles, but he's just like he, well, he's, he's almost like an he? Alfred. He's like, he's like a butler type I feel like, guy, but I don't know. I feel like yeah, Tejo's losing his marbles more than Bug is. No, oh, Tejo, yeah, Te- Te- sure. that, that's all an act. He Right, right. But Bug to me is like, I don't know, he doesn't seem but, crazy at all. But Well, the fact that Bug goes along with it all, even though, like that is the crazy part to me. You know what? You know what this reminded me of? This reminded me a bit of, I, I just read it. It's the who's the gentleman alamancer or not alamancer the gentleman explorer from mistborn alamancer jack is it alamancer jack yeah and he has like his servant who makes all these notes about how like he's like i can't believe like this basically like calls him out for like all this like inconsistencies and silliness i i mean and not that not that bug says it's, it's just kind of like bugs sometimes like really like okay or he he just kind of goes along with it even though he knows it's like incoherent yeah the audiobook narrator has like this really like deep gravelly voice for bug he's like i can't really i can't imitate that's not what i imagined at all but and it makes it to me it makes it funnier because he just seems like so somber and like wise or something i don't know but and he's like I'm just talking about we don't have enough wool, so you can have one one leg or two short shorts. <laughs> All right. Uh Jake, do you have a worst of the best? Or I, I would have to think about it myself. So if yeah. you don't have one, I think we just skip it. Um, no, I don't really have one. I don't think there's there hasn't been anything that I've really disliked in this. Oh uh, no, I have a worst of the best. I have a worst of the oh, best. Oh, okay. Okay, let's okay. Let's hear it then. It was... Maybe I'll come up with one while you do yours. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. It was simultaneously like fascinating, the like world building that went into it and just like the creativity, but also like so weird that someone put a lot of thought into this. But when they were rejuvenating Shirk, and they give her that parasite to um, help okay. her have like uh, experience again. Well, it, I mean, it wasn't only supposed to be sexual experiences, but like, yeah, because c- it helps her feel like in general, like have a sense of feeling again. But just like the, I don't know, just it was like fascinating, like simultaneously fascinating, but also like, this is weird that someone put this much thought into yeah. this, this like <laughs> creature. <laughs> but that's my worst of the best. Yeah, I would I would not want to be blah blah or any of the guys who visited her while she was hey yeah, doing anything. The the madam lady made it sound like customers love it. So yeah, yeah. People seem to be pretty satisfied. She was taking all the business. Yeah. I was listening to that. Uh I can't remember if I was driving listening to it or like I don't know, but Emily was listening at the same time. She's like, what is going on here? I'm like, yeah, this is weird, but kind of fascinating, huh? <laughs> she was like, 
what <laughs> yeah um my worst the best yeah i don't have anything new i think the thing that i the thing that i was really interested in but was just struggled with was the holds um maybe i needed like a little bit more of a refresher in the text of the book i don't know maybe i should watch daniel green's video i know he has a video about the the holds and the houses of, of malazan and everything and i watched it once and it was pretty good there's another malazan guy i saw on youtube i wish i could remember his channel's name let me see if i can find it but there's some that have like pretty good like uh breakdowns of like races and magic system mm. um graceless passion and flip phony <laughs> and iskar jarek those are all the the main ones i've watched anyways shout, shout out. out i just always come away from these books wishing that i understood more and like on one hand that's nice because i'm i'm really into it and i like want to understand more but the on the other hand i'm like I don't want to work that hard. Like, I just want to be able to read the book and enjoy it all and pick up on everything. So this might be another factor into why I enjoy these books so much now is having started to play Dark Souls and Elden Ring simultaneously because I feel like so many scenes in these books could be like, or characters could be characters in a Souls-like game. Just these like overpowered people with tons of backstory. And then also you don't know their backstory. Like the game itself doesn't really like, tell you much you have to work hard to figure out like what any of this means you'll just walk into a room and a huge monster will appear out of a pool of blood and say Mikola forgive me and then just start trying to kill you and you're like who's Mikola who are you why are you trying to kill me what's going on I don't know and so I think like that kind of like challenging just like it's really cool world building but I'm confused but intrigued it's like that that uh, meme from Knives Out doesn't make any sense it compels me though <laughs> and then also because the those types of games are so hard and take a lot of uh effort to and like patience to like get good at i i don't know for all those reasons i feel like malazan is the souls like version of fantasy series so i think it's like trained it's starting to train me train me to like the grind a little mm. bit we should uh we should do a <clears throat> campaign in malazan world we should be way fun we should hire steven erickson and esselmont to dm for us <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure they would uh do we'll, put it on, we'll put it on yeah we'll put it on youtube they'll do it right yeah yeah <laughs> all right if you want to support us and uh be a patron and get us towards that goal of doing a DD campaign with erickson <laughs> and esselmont yeah feel free to do that all right, so we are gonna, I don't know, maybe two weeks, three weeks or so, we'll finish the book. I don't know. It's probably gonna be on me, honestly, because I'm gonna be the, the bottleneck and all this. Jake reads this faster than I do. But once, I, once I'm done, and feel free to put pressure on me, YouTube uh, watchers, <laughs> once I'm done, we'll do a full review of the book. And Ryan, you can tell us all the exciting things that you've bottled up during the course of this conversation. All right. Sounds good. Sweet. Thanks for joining. All right. See you guys later. Bye.